Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Hello and welcome to the Betcha Sub Podcast. I'm Sammy Fishbein. I'm Amanda Duberman. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betcha Sub Podcast is your bi-weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happening in the news, explained by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Today we're talking about Christopher Steele and Ivanka Trump. Judaism is a nationality. Oi. Oi. <laughs> and Harvey Weinstein. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Betches Media presents. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator, or not? Uh, my party is going bet crazy. <laughs> You're the Alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup Podcast. America! That was a well-timed oi, Amanda. <laughs> it's perfect. We didn't plan it at all. Not at all. <laughs> Before we get into the episode, we have two really exciting announcements for you. Our first is that Betches Media just released its first ever scripted comedy series. It is called Under the Influence, and it is a story of social media addiction told through the intertwined stories of eight influencers, each of a different kind. We have a gaming influencer, a fashion influencer, a travel influencer, a makeup influencer, and more, all brought together by a group called Influencers Anonymous. It is really just truly so funny. It's a satire of how people are addicted to their phones and attention. Fun fact about this series is that I'm actually been doing the table reads for them. I've been reading all the scripts. I've been reviewing all the cuts. I'm really, really excited for you all to see it. You can find it on the Betches YouTube account. All you have to do is Search Betches on YouTube. It's called Under the Influence. Episode one is Nikki's first day. You'll see who Nikki is. I think you're going to love her or hate her. We'll see. Uh, so it's on the Betches YouTube account. Subscribe. Hit the notification bell. I know that's like a YouTube thing people say. And you'll get a new episode every week for the next eight weeks. The first episode premiered on December 10th, and there will be a new one every week. The second thing we wanted to talk about is actually something that we really need all of your help with. We know that everyone here at The Sup is really interested in giving back and helping us to make The Sup and Betches the best thing that it could be. So we are launching a survey and we would really, really appreciate your help with it. Here at Betches, we want to keep creating the best content for all of you. In order to do that, we need you to spill some tea about yourself and let us know what type of content you are interested in and what you want to see more of. All you have to do is go to Betches.co slash SUP survey, simply fill it out and tell us what you want more of. Again, that's Betches.co slash SUP survey. It'll take about 10 minutes. It's super easy. You can do it on your phone. The mobile works. So just please help us out. We want to give you more of what you want and we need you to help us out with that. So that's Betches.co slash SUP survey. All right, let's just get right into it. We have a big episode today. Yes. Amanda, what is getting you through this week in Trump's America? Okay, so on Monday... The inspector general's report dropped. We've been hearing about this for a long time, a long time, by the guy named Michael Horowitz. For ages, Trump and his allies have been telling us this is going to be a bombshell. This is going to tell you that, like, we were right, that the FBI was, like, sketchy and how they spied on us. They always had a political bias. Like, they were sure. They were certain. This is what it would say. This is what Bill Barr said it would say. It came out. It said none of those things. Of course, they're certain when Bill Barr is the one, like, writing it behind the scenes. Yes. Like with the Kremlin, right. pop, the Kremlin's in his ear yeah. and then he's in Michael Horowitz's ear like, write this, write yeah. this. Right. Well, Michael Horowitz didn't listen. 
Correct. Or he had some gentle, some gentle. Well, actually, no, it was pretty. He said there were some serious errors in how like little, not little. I mean, how parts of things were handled. Everyone at the FBI is like, yeah, that part of it could have been better. Like they wrote, like they wrote a misleading email the second when they wanted to renew the Carter Page wiretap. Yeah, we had we had spoken we had spoken about that on a previous episode that yeah. basically the person who was writing the application added something added their own commentary to an email but it appeared okay. that it was part of the original email so it right. was i think that this was like again i think on the past episode we said this we just chalked it up to like standard work incompetence yeah that sometimes people are just fucking lazy when at work because they want to go home. you right i think that yeah as i was reading that like i actually do think that's something that i would not do because i'm very well, careful about that kind of thing and just in journalism like you don't do you can't you never do anything even close to that but yeah I thought the same thing but a very what's getting me through is that Christopher Steele who wrote the Steele dossier that sort of had like some very unsavory things to say about Trump which arguably started this investigation the p-tape yes exactly yeah that's what we're talking about those unsavory things he apparently it came out as part of this report that he and Ivanka Trump were friends they were friends in a weird way yeah, it, it, who makes friends with another? Like, once it's really very con- strange. Okay. Yeah, explain their friendship. So they met. They had a personal relationship. This personal word is being used like a lot. At what point he gifted her a family tartan from Scotland? His um, own family. I think so. I don't think it was theirs. But so What's he's a he's a former. It's like a, a seal, or it's like a blanket, right? The blanket. I don't know. It sounds like a blanket. It's like a he decorative. Gave her a blanket. I think it's a decorative tapestry possibly a, a garment but yeah he gave her a blankie <laughs> Wait, I'm, gonna, um, I'm gonna look it up so they met in 2007 Ivanka and Trump met Steele at a dinner they began like corresponding about possibly working together so I guess what's a tartan it's a woolen cloth woven in one of several patterns of plaid especially of a design associated with a particular Scottish clan so it's like you like hang it on your wall it's like it's like a decor right yeah okay. you could hang it on your wall and everything yeah Put it on your couch. Cool. It's like a snuggly version of like a family crest. It is. <laughs> sounds that's like. exactly what it is. I, that sounds awesome. I would love a a, a family tartan. <laughs> family tartan. Yeah. Oh my god. So the men doesn't have be like so. Oh my god. Oh my god. Morty does have a tartan. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 fits with a tartan. Bruce should totally, have a tartan. Totally. Bruce is a tartan dog. If you've all ever dogs, seen a tartan all dog, all dogs look amazing in plaid. They do. Most of them do. I love plaid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, wearing plaid. This is my. Is tartan. that your tartan? <laughs> <laughs> the fish bind turn. Yeah. Oh. So they met in 2007 and they just like buddied up and they were like talking back and forth about potential work. This guy was a former intelligence officer, but he was doing like freelance business intelligence. Kind of seems like the guy that's in like the show that isn't really part of any of the governments, but he's like doing all this like shady shit to help them. Yeah. Um, so they met repeatedly. They met at Trump Tower once. Ivanka reportedly like might have even offered him some business with her company since he was so good at this. He told Michael Horowitz and it says in the report that if anything, I was maybe favorably disposed to them. Because they were friends. Because they were friends. So there was like, there was warmth there. There was no, it just, yeah. it's like another, I think after this report came out, Trump was like, it's even worse than I could have imagined. It's like, what, what did you read? It's just weird that Ivanka never was like, oh, actually, like, I know. Me, like we text. I know. <laughs> like, I wonder if she did. And her dad was just like, it doesn't matter. I lie. I have, all of these are lies. Well, I think, okay. I'm not, I don't want to be like conspiracy minded, but like I'm reading between the lines of this personal relationship and I'm hearing one of two things. I'm hearing affair or somebody wanted an affair, like, or there was like some sort of flirtation, if not actually, you know, a consummate affair. Right. Like I see. Because if they were friends, they would say they were friends. Amanda, how many male friends do you make? 
just generally out in the world. I mean, I know we're both introverts, but we're, yeah. <laughs> How many male friends do you make? That I are have not never, related to your, your boyfriend. That's never happened. Never. It's never happened to me. <laughs> I went to women's college. Especially not, especially not like someone through work. Like, I guess you kind of make friends right, with I have your work, male colleagues. Right, the only male friends I have outside of my boyfriend's friends and my friend's boyfriends are work friends but i would never same. call them my personal friends i'd call them my work friends same i would only call a personal friend some random person some random dude i met out but that's weird that's weird <laughs> there we go i see the path you took me down yeah. <laughs> right it's weird it's a weird relationship so i'm hearing some sort of weird flirtation yeah or i'm hearing this man is a, he's a spy pretty much yeah he's someone who collects information on people I'm hearing that people knew that the Trumps were involved in sketchy business because they have always been involved in sketchy business and that this guy maybe had a personal interest in it and was sort of befriending Mm. her or just as a way to get information when his his job is to literally trade in information. So it seems to me that it would make sense that he was getting something out of this relationship because, again, no adults just become friends to yeah because what what do they have a connection about right. he's like this he's this like british british yeah yeah he's this british where's this, this tartan coming from scotland then? oh maybe he's scottish okay so british made by british they meant for the british government fair yeah. okay so he's this guy who has what in common with yeah heiress ivanka trump who grew up on fifth avenue married into and modern orthodox yeah. jewish family where is the okay all right, so but in case he wanted tartan, I mean, yeah, it's also like, <laughs> yeah, he, also they're good enough friends that he's he giving got a her a family that sounds, tartan. That sounds that legit. Sounds intimate. That sounds intimate. And you know, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he was trying to like get something out of. I, he described it as a personal friend, and I wonder if he used that language because, like, in the trade, he wanted to distinguish between like somebody I was trying to make an asset or get information from and a person that you genuinely liked. Maybe that's the difference, but that's hot. still weird. Probably she is. She is hot. Yeah. Can't deny it. Yeah. So that was getting me through that whole all of the I mean, it's really upsetting that they're denying that the attorney general is denying that any of that is true and is still saying that the FBI illegally spied. But I will make it my life's interest to find out more about this friendship. Yes. This is the kind of thing that this is the kind of thing that really just piques my interest. I hear it and I will never I'm a dog with a bone. I'm never going to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're going to write a book on it. You know, someone has to. (laughs) But speaking of books. What's getting you through? Yes. The thing that is getting me through is a fascinating anecdote from a new book that's out by uh, national security expert Peter Bergen called Trump and His Generals, The Cost of Chaos. Uh, Basically, he's a national security and counterterrorism expert, and he was basically giving details of Trump's, the way he handled the situation with North Korea and the potential threat of um, nuclear you know exchange with them this situation seems like it was at a time where things were heightened yes yeah so rachel maddow this was the first like 10 minutes of her show last night and i was like literally just like in the bathroom taking off my makeup and i'm hearing it in the background and i'm like what the fuck yeah and i texted you really late and i was like this is my getting me through okay in the book it says at a time when um there were there was i guess heightened tension between U.S. and North Korea. Maybe it was like around rocket man time. Trump was being shown um, a model of the secret North Korean facility, the size of like a coffee table that one of his, um, you know, his advisors had made for him to show him what the North Korean regime is doing and to basically indicate like what it looks like so that he could, you know, people need to design now, I guess, coffee table size <laughs> diagrams for this man to know what the fuck is going on. 
Okay. So he's shown this, and in addition to this diagram, he's shown a satellite image of the North of the Korean Peninsula at night, and you can he can see that that China has lights on and South Korea has lights on, but North Korea is like totally black. So he's like, where's North Korea? He thought that that was like an ocean. He didn't understand that it was dark because they don't have electricity because they live under a terrible fucking dictator who doesn't give them electricity. Okay, so then he sees he sees Seoul. He notices Seoul that it's like right next to the border. And he's like, why is Seoul so close to the North Korean border? <laughs> How did that happen? It's like, why is New Manhattan, New York City? Like, right. why is this island? Why is this yeah. where you picked? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> right. Do you want me to give you this history book? Yeah. We okay. put it there yesterday. We told you. Okay. So he basically goes, this is the part. He goes, they have to move. <laughs> they have to move. Seoul has to move. And he's like, how has no one thought of this? Yeah. According to... Yeah, we're just going to like navigate like somewhere else. We're going to bring our buildings and move them over. Okay, so according to the book, he said that the, the author says that the officials were like unclear if he was kidding because yeah, like what? And but to reassure them that he wasn't kidding, Trump repeated the line, they have to move. And then he told the team that he wanted all American civilians to evacuate from South Korea. And there are a fair amount like expats and so many service yeah there's so many okay so the senior official is like that's not gonna work like that's gonna be interpreted that like we're going to yeah. war it's gonna be dangerous it's gonna that's escalate gonna work. and it would crash the south korean stock market which yeah. would have a ripple effect but trump his response to it was go do it as in get the people to evacuate anyway and move and try to move the people of seoul have to move okay just the americans so no, I think it was both. Oh, everybody like, just like evacuated. He, was, he yeah. was he was basically saying the they Americans have to, have to evacuate everybody out, yeah. and Seoul has to move. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, we need to move. Forget the capital. We're moving Seoul. Yeah. Okay. So the Pentagon, like, <laughs> thank God, was like, all right, we're just going to pretend that this didn't happen and like hope he forgets about it. Um, and that's what happened. But yeah. And this is uh, so I know we have James Mattis. He wrote that op-ed, which went nowhere, as you know, Trump yeah. administration tends to do write op-eds about how concerned they are and then do nothing about it. Um, and this was one of the directions that Mattis had ignored. The other one, Mattis quit after he ordered um, to pull troops from Syria, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, okay. the amount of but these moving stories. soul, we're just gonna, yeah. we're just we're gonna just going to move it. all of it. We're just going to pick it up and put it down. Don't you? This is where I'm like, where's the 25 amendment? I know. 25 million people live there. Like, the man wants to move a global capital. It's one of the biggest cities in the world. It is 25 million people. It is, like, so much larger than New York. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine just having to, like, evacuate your whole city. yeah. Three New Yorks. Three New (laughs) Yorks. We're going to just take it over here. Maybe Maryland has some empty space. Yeah. And they're going to go willingly. Yeah. Like, oh, like, like an outside nation demands the relocation of an I, entire I population. Mean, I am investing in roadway moving. Yeah. For this. For after oh the airing this. Bruce is on a roadway moving truck. Yeah. It's funny because Tartan yeah. and he is on a roadway. Yeah. You told me to listen to this. And so I was, you can listen to Rachel Maddow's show on a podcast. I listened to it some mornings. And at the beginning, she was just talking about like, New York is so beautiful during Christmas. Did you catch yes, that part? And then yes. suddenly she's like, and then Trump wanted to move Seoul. And I was like, oh, okay, there it that's is. Because I was like, what was Sammy talking about? This is this is lovely. That's what, okay, that's when I went to do my makeup. I was yeah, like, all right, yeah, she's yeah. just going to talk about Christmas in New York. I'm going to like leave. Bury the lead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then she starts talking about the size of all these cities. And her point was like, Seoul is so yeah, much larger yeah, than yeah. the United States. And by the way, Trump said he then wanted to New move York. it. Yeah. All right, that's what's getting me through the week. We have right. a fucking moron. Yeah. <laughs> We're leading us. An actual moron. All right, let's get into the main news. 
Um, our first story is something very near and dear to Amanda and myself. <laughs> and it is uh, our genius president who thinks that you can move a world capital has decided to sign an executive order yesterday on Wednesday um, to make Judaism a nationality. Um, that his, his stated that sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's never good when you want to put Jews Check in a box. category <laughs> when you want to count them. Yeah, it's just like we're really nervous about them, that kind of thing. Yeah, categorization of Jews just it's it's never gone well. Like we've tried it in a bunch of countries. Right. I don't even over like when somebody at a party years. asks me at a party. Yeah, depends what kind of party. I get the asked. Yeah. <laughs> It depends. <laughs> then it's like, yeah. If it's yeah. just at like a Christmas right. party and someone's going, are you, like, you a Jew? You're like, are you here to eat our blood? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't be perpetuating these things. But I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I myself. So the order would apply. The order seems designed to tie anti-Semitism to anti-Israel sentiment in order to crack down specifically on um, anti-Israel, anti-Zionist, and BDS movements boycott divestment sanctions on campuses. Yeah, so a big thing on campus is being is is, an, is anti-Israel protests yeah. essentially, and the BDS movement, which stands for boycott, divest, and sanction, which basically means that any companies or um, any, I guess, Governments. like a like an endowment for yeah. a college, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. say, if they are invested in israel in any way that people want to boycott them yeah or take their money out of them because of what happened after the first guy said jews are a race yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah exactly yeah right that the first here no he was not the first oh, that's guy that's true he definitely was there not the first guy so many yeah. people who have who have that's thanks for I'm, correcting that that's like the all of judaism <laughs> yeah literally the whole story of the yeah. of the people is like Com- like you live in a country you're safe you're good and then they decide oh you you guys are different yeah. you guys are like your own thing we don't like that and then it usually leads to uh, genocide or Cust- back- customary fleeing, yes. fleeing you know right that's we how off, we can flee how the, flee we're here that's how we're here yes we fled right, right. or Survived. I don't know. So this is a very worrisome thing to happen. I've been up all night about it. Um, Like Amanda said, what this really does is it ties being anti-Jewish to being anti-Israel, which is frankly also a dangerous um, path to go down. It's something that Obama did. He just didn't sign an executive order. He just sort of gave guidance to the Department of Education. I mean, the, the fundamental question here is like, is any and is any anti-Israel sentiment anti-Jewish? And that's kind of what this wants to say is yes, it ties it to like because anti-Zionism is anti-Judaism and anti-Jewishness and Zionism relates to Israel. And, you know, like, is it anti-Semitic to question whether Israel has a right to exist? This would say yes. Well, I happen to think it is anti-Semitic to question whether Israel has a right to exist. I do. I don't think it's automatically anti-Semitic to question the actions right. of the current Israeli government. I think that there's a big distinction yeah. here, but this wipes that out completely. Totally. What's interesting is that they took this guidance from the International Holocaust Remembrance Agency. They have like sort of guidelines on what kind of anti-Israel anti-Zionist stuff can also be considered anti-Semitic and they interpret it very, very broadly. They even say like if someone were to say that the fact that Israel exists is itself a racist thing, that would be anti-Semitic. Like if you were to call Israel, I don't know why they had the specific example of racism, but the example I read were that if you were to say that like the fact that Israel's mere existence is racism towards the Arab communities around it, that would be according to 
the Holocaust Remembrance Agency, that would be an anti-Semitic statement. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there are people who believe that. But I also yeah. think there are a lot of genuinely anti-Semitic people whose hatred of Israel is right. the source is anti-Semitism. But plus those guidelines were never meant to be incorporated into something like American policy. They're just sort of out there, you know, like this is what we can that what, what we think could lead to something dangerous. Right. I don't like the idea of checking a box that yes. I'm of that I'm Jewish. Yeah. Also, it doesn't really make sense because just because someone my Jewishness is not a nationality. Yeah. I'm an American. I am also Jewish. So I would like to maintain the protections that are offered under right. like freedom of religion. Exactly. I don't feel that what well, okay, what happens about the what what about people who are British? And they're Jewish. Are they? Is there national? And they live under here? this standard. Yeah. If they're on a college campus, if they are, I think what they're going after. Yeah, it sort of implies that being Jew. It just it can. There's no like. It, it's true. Being Jewish does not mean you are Israeli. No. But it sort of puts those two together. Exactly. In an explicit way. It doesn't say why. Because I was researching this all morning. I was like, but why? What's the? Ex how does that? How does that work? The, the idea is like, if you criticize Israel, you're criticizing. All Jews. Jews. Exactly. And, and therefore, the only way we can include that criticism in, in anti-discrimination things is if we tie Jewishness to some sort of national origin, even when that national origin is Israel. I've never been to Israel. Well, you should go. It's your, yeah. it's your national origin, I guess. I guess. <laughs> go home. Go home, Amanda. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's incredibly dangerous. May, and, a, and a big reason for this is because ultimately what the effect of something like this is, is that it doesn't target all Jews. It targets liberal Jews who don't agree with what yes. the administration in, in Israel is doing. Um, and that's what I think is so dangerous about it is because it actually will kind of corner those Jewish activists or no, not even Jewish activists. It will corner specific progressive activists who tend to agree with the BDS movement. Yeah. And that's really what it's meant to do, which is frightening. Right. Right. Also, yeah. I would like to ask anyone who supports this idea how they would feel if Ilhan Omar asked them to put that their nationality was Judaism. Right. That's, yeah. that's the question I would like to pose. Oh, yeah. Because, if Obama did this. Yeah. They would freak out. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's like, oh, there are. I mean, there are also real First Amendment free speech concerns with this. Like, because religion, I think the problem is that religion does not fall into the category of things protected under Title VI. And so they're like, okay, how can we how can we work Judaism in there? And the language says discrimination against Jews may give rise to a Title VI violation when the discrimination is based on an individual's race, color, or national origin. And I guess they're just saying, like, let's say in this case, if you are Jewish, your national origin is Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just I mean, I happen strange. to buy the idea that Judaism is a race more right. than I buy that it's a national yeah. a nationality. Yeah. I think that that would make a lot more sense because then you could cover Jews from other places. Right. And it is based on your heritage, which is yeah. what I guess. It's true. I mean, I have friends that that are Latina and Latino or Hispanic and they consider themselves white and they're like, I don't want to. What option do I put? You know, like, why am I being othered on every form I fill out? That's why these forms are fucking pointless. Right. So yesterday, did you see that Jared Kushner wrote an op-ed about this yesterday afternoon? Who wrote it for him? Yeah, right. <laughs> But he basically, of course, I'm sure he wrote it because so he cited Kushner. the Jersey City attack, which was anti-Semitic. If I'm Jared Kushner's yeah. assistant, I can still cite yeah. the Jersey City attack. Right, right. Which we, there was a shooting in Jersey City, which is very close to Manhattan. That was likely, I don't know if they've confirmed it was this, out motivated kosher, by. It was at a kosher supermarket. And the guy had anti-Semitic. Yeah, and there's like one kosher su supermarket yeah. in Jersey City. So this was like, right. it didn't just, they didn't happen upon it. At first they were like, maybe it was like a 
maybe they used the word soft heart. They were like, if you're walking by and you want to, if you want to kill people, that's a place where you're probably not going to get a fight. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, this order also says that like, if there are First Amendment issues, then none of this applies. But based on this, Department of Education is already investigating um, alleged anti-Semitism at Rutgers, Duke, UNC, and Williams. And all of those started with criticism of Israel. Right. Because because the BDS movement, I mean, people are very it's emotional about movement. it. Yeah. yeah. And it, it it by supporting it, you are support for it, like mass support of BDS would really probably threaten Israel's safety. Like if people were to divest. Oh, absolutely. And boycott the country, which is already everybody knows in a vulnerable place in the middle of the Middle East. Yeah, they're fine. So I think that's why it's considered anti-Semitic, because if you are wishing that if you're wishing upon Israel to not be as safe or as prosperous, is that anti? Are you anti-Jew? This is saying, I think maybe. I think that sort of the party line amongst right wing Jews in America has been to they would say that anti-Israel is the new anti-Semitism. Yeah. And they say Zionism. Yeah. Like perhaps that is has some truth to it. But I don't think that codifying it here in this way is appropriate, yeah. obviously. And I don't think that that criticizing Israel ob- automatically makes you an anti-Semite. Yeah. Because there are plenty of Jews who criticize Israel yeah. because no government is perfect. Yeah. It's also that like people have problems with a lot of things. People are, are I mean, obviously, there are, there's activism surrounding everything. I'm not accusing anti-Israel or anti-Zionist or pro-Palestinian groups from being anti-Semitic at all. Um, but there is a, like an it's a little bit scary when there are caricatures and stereotypes associated with the people you're you're protesting against that are so entrenched and available to you. And of course, there are anti-Zionists on Twitter and probably in real life who play into those stereotypes and who do hate Jews. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's a big enough group to justify, you know, kicking off dissolving campus groups that. Are questioning right. Israel's policies, right? Like they're not dangerous. Like they're no, not like, physically right. hurting anybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, anti-Semitism is a real problem. I happen to think it comes from both the right and the left. Mm-hmm. I do agree with that assessment. Yeah. But what concerns me is checking is the idea that they're uh, yeah. categorizing us <laughs> right in any way. Sam yesterday was like, "I will never check a box." That I'll says never I check a Jewish. box. Yeah. I mean, the information is easy to find. Right. Yeah. Like, but. Yeah. but <laughs> But I will never put it on a form. Right. I will say it anytime I'm at a microphone, but I will not. <laughs> exactly. Go to a microphone and tell them you are Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. All anyway, right. Now I get my Title VI protection. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Yeah. Oh, God. Harvey Weinstein. Ugh. Ugh. Harvey now Weinstein. Now you really want to be discouraged in the, you know, the justice system. Yeah. Uh, Harvey Weinstein has reached a deal. Um, him and the board of his bankrupt film studio yeah. have reached a 25, do- 25 million, 25 dollars. <laughs> I mean, basically yeah. $25 million settlement with dozens of women who have accused him of sexual misconduct, but the deal doesn't require him to admit any wrongdoing or pay anything to his accusers out of his own pocket. Instead, the insurance companies who represented his studio will be the ones to pay. I feel like now insurance companies should have like a Weinstein clause. If you are, if you rape a, several dozen women 
we're not going to bail you out. Yeah, this this settlement resolves lawsuits filed by dozens of women since 2017 when the Times article came out. His accusers include stars like Gwyneth Paltrow, Angelina Jolie, Selma Hayek, but they they have not joined the proceedings. I think we in the proceedings you have um, Annabella Sciorra, um, Rose McGowan, 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 and this is actually just the civil case. For anyone who is doubting that we have two justice systems in this country, one for the rich white man and one for everyone else, they, Mr. Uh, Harvey Weinstein still has a criminal trial next year um, on charges of sexual assault, including two women. Um, and on Wednesday, a judge raised Mr. Weinstein's bail to $5 million after prosecutors accused him of mishandling it his ankle monitor. It was previously $1 million. It was previously $1 million. Well, this seems to, you know, I'm sure he, has, still has he doesn't have it, you know. Um yeah, and he is having back surgery. Yeah, he walked in because he had to go back, Today. presumably, to post that bail. And he like, what's with all? He was in a walker, and he was like very like, oh, oh I feel so What's bad with for all him. of these dudes like Cosby and Manafort and Weinstein? They go to jail, and then they're like, oh, I'm just a sad old man. Why even bother punishing me? Because they are a sad old man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they just wither away. They do. Yeah, I mean, the only man that has actually been held accountable is Bill Cosby, who is not white and also was accused by like 80 people. And it's serving time for one, but it's insane. Yeah, it's insane what someone can get away with when they just have like a little money. Right. I know. Not even his money. You just have to like, and it's like bankruptcy insurance. I'm like, why don't I just start a, why can't I just start a bankrupt business? And it seems like everything ends up fine. Right. I know. You get like protected against all the money you Only if you are rich and white does any of this work for you. For everyone else. Yeah. You are in jail for life. You never see your kids again. Yeah, should we do an America? Should we do a little impeachment update? A little impeachment, yeah. A little. So on Tuesday, articles of impeachment were announced. Abuse of power, obstruction of justice. They didn't do any tie to the Mueller investigation because moderates are vulnerable in some states. And we know that people that support imp- impeachment really just support it for the Ukraine stuff because it's pretty explicit. On the same day, Congress moved to impeach the president for his shady activity that might have left Ukraine vulnerable and like defenseless against Russia and undermined the entire global position on Russia. Trump hosted Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov at the White House. Again. Again. Nobody really knows what happened at this meeting. Um, First, Trump tweeted and the White House said like, yeah, we did bring up election meddling. We gave him a warning. Then Lavrov was like, no, he didn't. And then Lavrov was like, okay, we did talk about it. We talked about it. We talked about what me and Pompeo had talked about. So earlier, Lavrov and Mike Pompeo had this like weird exchange where it was it was literally just a, like 20 minutes of like Pompeo being like, so Russia meddled in the election and Lavrov being like, no. Good for Pompeo. And he's like, no, they did. We know this for a fact. No, we didn't. Nobody knows that for a fact. And so then the conclusion was like, well, we talked about what me and Mike Pompeo talked about, which is very different from he issued me a warning not to meddle in their next election. But I mean, we obviously know that Trump is welcoming. Yeah. Trump is on their side. Like, yeah. All roads lead to Putin. All roads lead to Putin. We are. He wants to be with them. Yeah. They are like like minded. Right. He doesn't have anything in common with. Did you see the picture? Beaming. He's beat from years ago or from this time? uh, I don't know which one it was. The the one it from years, from last year or two years ago, he's never smiled bigger. It was that one then. Unless he did it again. Like yeah. white, yeah. excited. <laughs> well, did you see the tweet? And you made this joke. It was like, okay, talking to the pen, Mr. Trump. A little louder. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Honestly, Lavrov was changing the batteries and all the bugs. I thought yeah, what he was time. doing behind the desk. Yeah. He's oh. like, oh, these are getting a little quiet. So wild. And then the House panel is setting to vote on impeachment today. They like had, you know, debate last night, but it was just more 
people say in their own thing. I, I started to watch it and then I wasn't that. It was a lot it. of yelling. It was a lot of yelling. It was, I think it was, because if you've been watching this all the time, like we have, I think this is designed for like the primetime audience, which I don't think it was very engaging for them. It was so late. But, um, you know, Hearings to do. are a daytime activity. Yeah, yeah. So the president is considering, did you see this? Hiring for his defense, Alan Dershowitz. Yeah. <laughs> Could, bringing it back accused who was pedophile. Epstein's lawyer and accused is also pedophile. accused of assaulting the women yeah and and is the guy who was like well I can't a 16 year old consent to sex oh yeah and, right he's like so he's gross monster. and he gets grosser and grosser he gets grosser and grosser yeah right okay so what's happening next in um, impeachment so sorry so if the House impeaches Trump, which it's widely believed to do so, there are some Democrats that want to do a censure. But I think they're just saying that so they can tell their constituents, like, like yeah. we're in New York, like every Democrat I know is dying for impeachment and has been for a long time since since November 2016, according to Republicans. Um, but I think He's that's a criminal a, then, too. Right. Largely just for appearances. Um, and then shortly, as soon as next week, the House might impeach him and impeachment. We've said this before. He's not removed. It goes to the Senate for a trial. And that will probably happen in January. But I've been hearing that Trump wants to make it like a circus, like a big, wild defense of him. Whereas McConnell, like, is a dickhead, but wants to maintain some decorum. So I think there's going to be, like, some tension there between, like, Trump wanting to put on a show and Mitch McConnell just wanting to, like, get all this done. I don't believe that Mitch McConnell doesn't want it to be a circus. He's just saying yeah. that. Here's what I predict. He doesn't want to get back to work. He's not doing anything. Well, they also passed Usmica in the House the same day they dropped the impeachment articles and Lavrov came. Big day. Yeah. Um, So I think that and and McConnell says he refuses to take up Usmica in the Senate until like later. So I think that his whole strategy is the following. They're going to obviously acquit him in the Senate because like and then they're going to they're going to use the Senate trial to basically advance this Ukraine help the Democrats theory um then he's gonna pass usmica giving him this like victory that is the greatest thing ever it's so good for our economy it's gonna be great then they have Barr has this report called the durham report which you might start hearing about like all the fucking time um where basically they're going to say that ukraine meddled to help the democrats and obama was spying on trump's campaign and that's what is in is anticipated to be found in the durham report which is going to come out in the summer and then it, then we're leading up to the election. Right. So I think they have a very strong strategy, the Republicans. And I don't see that the Democrats have really any um, plan to combat it. Like, right. I feel like the road ends here for Democrats. I don't really get what they're supposed to do, honestly. Yeah. Do you have any ideas? No. No. No ideas in no. the studio. And I, we were talking about how, like, if he gets reelected, like, he's going to be impeached again. <laughs> He's going he's gonna to become a dictator yeah. if he gets reelected. Yeah. Speaking of that, let's move unless on to he, the... Unless some health issues. Yeah. Speaking of that, let's move on to the election section. The Democrats are really starting to come for each other now. And don't we don't like it. it. Yeah. I do not have the stomach yeah. for this. Um, There's an especially pronounced Warren Buttigieg feud that's been going on both sort of mutual calls for transparency Buttigieg demanding that she release how much money she made when she was a corporate lawyer I think she, I thought she had already done that and her campaign was like we just updated it with that she had made about two million dollars over 30 years yeah um, representing corporate clients um that's why not that's, that's no not that money much. that's what no are you money. doing liz i thought she was charging I like lawyers 700 make, yeah it's a ton of money i would love to have that after 30 years but y- 
I guess, I don't know, maybe that just referred to like specific clients that people consider corporate and scary. Right, maybe. And that's response. like 60K a year for to be a lawyer. Right, I guess that's while she was, yeah. That was not her main job. Yeah. So like she made 60 grand a year from her side hustle. Yeah. I will give her that. That's, she's, 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 she's not a poor woman. To me, it sounds None like None of her, these candidates are. She's not poor, but she's also not like corruptly rich. Right, right. I mean, somebody should ask her, like, would your tax hikes apply to you? And they probably would. I think hers apply to everybody, pretty much. But, um, and the day, so Good then question. everybody wanted Buttigieg he, to release his McKinsey clients. McKinsey is a consulting firm that he worked for, um, I think, right after college or grad school. Yeah, it's considered one of the best consulting yeah. firms. Now they actually work for ICE, I believe. Right. Um, That's why this came up. Yeah. Because people were like, what did you do there? But here's the thing. The fact that Pete Buttigieg like got this job at this great firm after college to me speaks to his competence and the fact that they're in I, I believe it's about both Liz and him. The fact that these are these things are being brought up is so unfair to them because like we're applying these standards of today this like that you have to be this like pure person who's like never made a dime and like never ever like touched a rich person before like <laughs> like it's just sort of like this bullshit like it's bullshit because like these are legitimate careers that these people had yeah. and we should be lauding them for their competence and the fact that they haven't been running a crime syndicate since they yeah. were four like yeah. like trump who got like right. four hundred thousand dollars by the time he was three or something yeah um yeah, people are kind of getting on Pete because, like, he worked at McKinsey. One of his clients is uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield in Michigan. And he was working there a couple years before they laid off, like, a lot of people and cut their benefits um, and, like, raised rates. Um, and he has said, like, the nature of how he described what he did sounds like he could have been part. I mean, that's what consultants do. They help you yeah. cut costs. And he's no like, he was like, I was there two years earlier, but I could have, like, I don't know what happened then. But it sounds like the work he did might have contributed to those decisions. But, like... No one, okay, no one Seen uses up in the a air. consultant so that they can lose money. Right, <laughs> yeah. It's like, th that's just what a consultant is for. And also, sometimes companies, they need to do layoffs. Yeah. Obviously, look, we're obviously anti-raising health insurance premiums here yeah. at this podcast. But, like, we're literally going to dirty this guy up who might end up being the nominee. He's still surging. Because he's not, like pure and perfect like i'm sorry do you want like a baby out of the womb who's never done anything to be your candidate right because they've never done anything wrong like what is like what is this standard right. that we've created for ourselves that is literally fucking us up so hard because we're just gonna keep ruining each other until yeah. we get to the right and election. there's gonna be no enthusiasm for the candidate that we have to be honest it has killed my enthusiasm for every candidate yeah all of these things and I'm like uh, okay maybe I'll run yeah I've always been like run. very like averse to like idol worship especially because like everybody has something like this everybody has something that makes them not look perfect right exactly that like and like if Obama were running now he could be canceled for something he would be canceled for yeah. something he would be canceled for saying that we should for, stop canceling people right <laughs> yeah <laughs> we couldn't even cancel Harvey Weinstein <laughs> yeah exactly it's like yeah, I think it's so... At least tweeted, he originated cancel culture, and he's not canceled yet. Who did? Harvey Weinstein. I oh. feel like that's when... Oh, good point. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah. He's kind of the first one. So now people are calling Buttigieg, Wall Street, Pete. They're accusing him of favoring even insurance like companies. <laughs> it's like, why don't... First of all, I don't know what Pete Buttigieg believes. I don't even think Pete Buttigieg knows because he's aware yeah, that right. nothing that he says now means anything because even if he were elected... 
it doesn't it's not like you automatically get everything you want the right. day you get elected like mm-hmm. you have to work with right. people so the ultimate policy that you come up with is not like is not going to be the policy that you promise right of course right like I'd love to see Elizabeth Warren pass her wealth tax and her Medicare for all on day one. That's absolutely right. not happening. Right. Like it's just so like you can be like, oh, she's so right. great because this is her policy. It's like, okay, but we have to worry about the fact that we either have to elect a Democrat or have a fascist dictator. Right. Yeah, I remember reading like the New York Times article about the breakdown of Kamala's campaign. It sort of sounded like towards the end she just didn't even really know what position she's like she wanted to maybe start talking more about her prosecutorial record and not just being like those were my subordinates. I didn't really know. She wanted to like engage with it more, but the internet was so like, Kamala's a cop, mm-hmm. which and certainly a- absolutely leg- legitimate criticisms there that I thought she should have engaged with more, but like she was so terrified. She was like, I can't, I'm not allowed to do anything. And Kamala's a great candidate, talented great politician. Candidate. She would have had such a good chance against him. And it, it's again, it's like no one is perfect. No one has ever done everything perfectly that pleases everybody. It's, the, it's just ridiculous, I think, to think that like, Someone, Elizabeth Warren, who's 70 years old, who has had 50 years of working, that every single thing she's ever done is going to be pure and ideologically aligned with exactly how she thinks now, with exactly the temperature of the country and and where the Democratic Party is. It's just sort of absurd to expect this of people and then to dirty them up in the process when they're going to then have to face Donald Trump, who no one is. There's no one dirtier than him. Right. So like, why are we acting like we're so, oh, you're so bad because you like made some money. It's like, like, right. It's terrible. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to one more thing? Let's do it. We have a special one more thing today. We're bringing in a guest. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. 
So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash fever dream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Okay, so our one more thing today, we have a guest with us, Mackenzie Green. Hello, hello. She was Miss DC USA in 2010. We wanted to talk to Mackenzie because... And she works at Betches. She's oh, not yeah, just she a regular person. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm at that Venn diagram of people who are in a pageant and yeah. work at Betches. And it's right. just a circle with me in the middle. Yeah. The only person in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, surprisingly. Um, for the first time in... Life in, takes in, you weird places, yes. right? Oh, yeah. For the first time in history, Miss America, Miss USA, Miss Teen USA, and Miss Universe are all black women for the first time ever. Which is, it was a pretty striking image to see Monday morning, I think, or Tuesday morning. Yeah. Um, and couldn't help but think there are definitely, there's definitely like an impact here. And it seems like something that is pretty meaningful. And so what does this mean for, what would this have meant to you? And what, yeah. what do you think about what's happening? So a lot of times people ask me how in the world I got into a pageant in the first place. And I always point to this time, um, Shantae Hinton, who was Miss DC USA at the time, who won Miss USA. The year she competed, the top five were all women of color. They were all black women. And I remember sitting in my grandmother's house, watching it with my mom. We would watch the pageant every year. And I looked on that screen and I saw five women that looked like me. And that was the first time in my life I had ever put together this idea that girls that look like me can do a thing like that. And so years later when I got to meet Shantae and she was actually the MC the year I competed, my final question was, uh, who are former Miss DCs that inspire you? And so I told this story about Shantae and it was very strange. And I remember then winning and going to a school in Southeast DC, which anybody who knows DC knows that that's a fairly impoverished crime area that is largely filled with black and brown people. And I remember this little girl ran up and she goes, are you a princess? Oh, wow. Can I be a oh princess like you when I grow up? And I thought, oh, oh, OK. All right. I know what Shantae meant to me, mm-hmm. but this is what this means to this little girl. And I think watching Sunday night and I was fully aware. And, and for anybody that's wondering, yes, past queens are on a group chat with each other. <laughs> I'm in a group chat with my 2010 sisters, with my Miss DC sisters. What do you talk about? Oh, you. We, I cannot tell you, but we talk about everything. Like, like it. What's, it's real messy. What's like one thing? Ooh, I would say one thing is we talk about the shade other people throw at us on our own Instagram. So Ooh. like we have a past title holder in the Miss DC family who is a former military and people take it upon themselves to write, you know, interesting things in her comment section. And so Rude. we go as an army of like oh, you sw- 30 wow, you something, swarm. yeah, 30 something sisters that just like attack this one person. Oh, that's amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. They're like a pageant bot farm basically for good basically but it was just wild in that moment of watching and i know when i competed there that there's that moment where you're watching the other title holders winning and you're counting your head like okay there's already five black girls in this group all right i don't know if they're gonna take a sixth one or oh crap they already crowned a black girl last year maybe one won't win again this year well at least i'm going and i'm getting a shot and i think in that moment looking and seeing all four major titles i thought oh, oh, this is this is happening. Yeah. This is real. Like, I think we all were like kind of in shock. Like one of the girls just goes, is this is this real? And I was like, yeah, I think I think this is actually happening. And and for anybody that's ever looked, uh, Miss DC is known for crowning black title holders. And we actually get a lot of, you know, I don't know if I can curse, but we get a lot of shit you for can it. Curse. OK, we get a lot of shit for the fact that 
we have consistently sent black women, I think in the last 20 years, we've only had like two white title holders. Shout out to Jessica, she's my sister, Kappa sister and DC sister. Um, but it was just this wild moment where it was like, it sunk in for me that all of us that came before and all those that will come didn't do this in vain. And it was that feeling of like, this pride that I'm a part of this family that has shown progress that now when people look, it won't be this like, oh, you did pageants. So what does that really mean? It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I did a pageant and look what that means. Yeah. It seems like the pageants is the, that this pageant is the opposite of the democratic debate stage. Yeah. Oh, a million percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh my guys. Yeah. And Andrew Yang. Yeah. yeah. Um, why do you think pageants or the, like in particular Miss DC has become so much more diverse than like, anything else yeah like like even like the golden globe nominations like it's all white men oh yeah why have pageants been able to kind of like buck this trend oh believe me i still can't figure out why queen and slim hasn't been nominated for anything yeah. so far this <laughs> yeah. award season i'm like all right I, I know why there's no yeah there's no nice white person in it um but <laughs> <laughs> i think we have been able to get past this trend i think one because if you looked at the judging panel it was women and it was largely mm -hmm. women of color and i think that we look for our reflection in the world that's around us. Um, somebody said something interesting to me recently. They were like, when my sister wanted a pug dog, she kept sending me pictures of pugs all the time. And the next thing I knew when I went on the street, I started seeing mm -hmm. pugs everywhere. And I think like that is the best way I can explain representation mm -hmm. and particularly like pageantry. If you don't see yourself up there, you just are like, what's the point of this thing? I don't see any point. But when you start to like be reminded that like, your black is beautiful. Black girl magic is a real thing. Next thing you know, you look up and you're like, oh my God, I've never noticed that Beyonce is on the cover of this magazine with braids in. Mm -hmm. Oh, did you notice that Miss South Africa just won Miss Universe? Oh crap, did you know that, you know, Michelle Obama is doing XYZ? Like you start to see your magic elsewhere. And I think because DC, you know, better known as Chocolate City, is a reflection of its people, I think at the end of the day, our particular pageant has largely gotten black women because no surprise, there are beautiful black women that exist in the world and I think they all kind of drop into DC and it seems to be the shock sometimes people mm -hmm. are like wow well I guess there's just nothing but beautiful black girls in DC <laughs> I'm like well you'd be surprised they're in right. Oklahoma yeah and yes. Utah and Hawaii yeah and South Africa and, and okay, everywhere yeah I'm like I mean even right. looking and seeing I think it was Miss Ireland mm -hmm. was a biracial woman of color and I was like mind blown totally don't even think of that yeah, yeah. there's black people yeah. in ireland y'all yeah. it's crazy yeah you what? said go oh, god you you were saying that um there was like a, a degree of tokenism before like well yeah. well there's already a black girl here yep. so there's not gonna be another one and do, do these wins also sort of i'm sure there are also shitty white women that rely on that too they're like well i didn't win this one because they had to have a black woman there and oh, now yeah. it's clearly Clearly a meritocracy. Like, yeah. whoa, they had to have all of them be black women? You think they had yeah. to? Do you think it takes the weight out of any of, of, out of people chalking it up to tokenism now? I think, and it's wild, because we had this when, and, and like I said earlier, when Jessica won, she won like two, three years after myself. And she was the first white woman to have won it in a while. Mm -hmm. And I remember people acted like, right. finally, we're dismantling racism. <laughs> and I was like, ah, I don't I feel like I the smallest yeah. amount yeah. of like, and I remember right. even like Jessica saying like, "Oh, I, uh, right. please don't put this on me. I don't want to be like." Right. I, she's, she's like, like, she's like white she's hero. Like, yeah, she's like, please don't turn me into like the reverse Rosa Parks yeah. of like, like pageantry. I'm just here for scholarship. Yeah, right. please. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, I just wanted to represent my city that I'm living in. Like, what is happening? And I, and it just like blew my mind. But I do think there is that moment of weight on your shoulders. Like, I remember going to Miss USA and thinking. 
all right, don't don't get out here. Make sure you put a you know a G at the end of every word. That you oh, yes sir, no sir. That. that you look people in the eye. That you're polite. That you're put together because. You come down that escalator one day not looking put together and you can see the look in, you know, a producer's face or in the person at the time, you know, also it might have had something to do with the person that owned it. But, uh, <laughs> Who you, owned see, it? I, you know, just a man, I can't remember his name, some Donnie something. I don't know. But <laughs> so we can talk about that another <laughs> that's a, time. Yeah, that's, that's another that, episode. Oh, that's a whole other episode. Oh, when, whole whenever Mackenzie day. has nothing to lose, yes. she will tell us oh, yeah. amazing stories. But, it was like you would see that look when you were a little off kilter or it was like that conversation backstage. Or but, the, you, but you were an off kilter or not put together. Yeah. The standards for black the women are just was so right. high. And it was like that moment where you're just like, you're all looking at each other like, my head's so itchy. I have like 14 pounds of right. wing on because yeah. I got to have straight hair. And if I don't have straight hair, it's going to suck. And it's like to see that girl standing up there with like a dope ass fade, natural hair. And I was like, that is my niece. That's mm-hmm. my niece right yeah. there. That is my niece, Zora. In full effect, beautiful brown skin, beautiful 4C curls, living her best life. I mean, the woman said she listened to Beyonce's brown skin girl that morning. Amazing. It's like, yeah. it doesn't get much blacker than that, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Amanda mentioned tokenism. Do you, how do you feel that an organization like pageantry made a transition from tokenism to like genuine diversity? Yeah, I think, and I'll say this, I love to you know from whence I came I do think we have more to go you know I look forward to the day we have you know a woman who's the you know a dreamer who's standing up there telling her story or a trans woman one day but I do think we've made these leaps and bounds because I think people have gotten out of this kind of like Eurocentric idea of beauty it was like I was just looking recently and I realized Sarah Bartman, for anybody that doesn't know, that was the hot and tot Venus. She was a black woman from South Africa that had a quote unquote exotic savage body. And she was chopped up in pieces and her body was put on display uh, and was toured around the world. And she was from. Yeah. Oh my God. What? Yeah, get ready, people. About to blow your mind. Um, and this woman, this is about 200 years ago. Yeah. So for anybody that's oh, like. Okay. But I'm saying the idea that, like, I think people go, like, oh, that was so long ago. And it's like, well, no, no. Yeah. Think about how old the country is. Think about how old, you know, how long ago different moments are that we talk about, whether right. it's, you know. Wait, explain to me. Wait, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Go, go back. Yep, yep. Chopped up in. Literal? You're being literal? literal? No, literal pieces put on display. Where? Um, I know she was put at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. Why? It That's was, what I was thinking as you're saying that. It's like we love to think of history as being like Victorian novels. It's like that oh, no, feels no, no, like no. that. I have an affinity with that history. It's like, oh, that was too long ago. 200 yeah. years is nothing. Like, no, no. It, you, yeah, like 200 you years like is like, prejudice wait, yeah, it's like people are still like talking about, yeah. you know, like D-Day. Wait, why, would like, they, yeah. why would they Because why she had do that? a big ass. She had big breasts. She had large lips. She had black skin you know i mean it's so why wouldn't they keep it as no they thought it was strange when you know and i mean i mean i could talk all day about the you know the commoditization of black and brown bodies for you know people's consumption but and for anybody that's wondering that is actually what kim kardashian's paper magazine cover was based off of was an old picture of the hot and tot venus that's beside the point really i didn't know that the the champagne image is based off of that woman which it's like why didn't anyone talk about that at the time? I think they did. They did, but don't nobody listen to us yeah, over on. It Beyond. was a little bit before, like, I think it was pre. It was pre-everybody pre- deciding to be woke yeah. and being like, let me learn. Fair. But Fair. I think to so me, there's lots to learn. that idea of tokenism, it blew my mind to think, like, there's a 200-year gap between this South African woman mm-hmm. and this South African mm-hmm. woman. That, like, we have come from a woman being 
put on display as though she were an animal, a taxidermy animal, to this woman standing on stage talking about, I am here for women that look like me. And for anybody out there that's like, why do we have to talk about all them being black and blah, blah, blah? Like, the world would be better when we don't see color. That's that is not, not possible. Yeah, that's not. And also, that's not helpful no. to me. That's not helpful to me as a woman of color. That's not helpful to your friend who's a person yeah. of color. I hope you have a friend that's a person of color. <laughs> um, but I heard Melanie Hobson say something great once where she said, I don't need you to be color blind. I need you to be color brave. I need people to stop being like, well, we'll have a better world when we don't have to talk about four black women. No, no, no. We will have a better world when you can acknowledge the fact that like, wow, it's really fucked up that we have just now gotten to four women of color being the title holder. Right. Yeah. And that's only in pageantry. This yes. is not to say that this has like <laughs> right. pervaded no. like any anything and I think, else. And I think it should scare people because people love to look down their nose at pageant girls and be like, oh, God, they're so vain. They think, And it's like, no, no, we, yeah. we've had more black women be in charge right. of that title than we have sit in the White House. And that yeah. should concern you. Almost like all women in yeah. the fucking White House. I mean, House. hell, I mean, look at that whole conversation when, you know, Joe Biden was saying, like, the woman of color. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like the fact that he, that he forgot. Kamala Harris could say there are two, not right. there are 20. Yes. Right. Two is low. No, the fact that it's two is how she could be like, no, nah, I'm the other one right, right here. Right. It's like, yeah. no, it should have been like. Right. Yeah. Also, that it took 200 years to get to this, and we're not even like that far along yeah i would say well it's it's always this wild and i'm taking like a bit of a segue but it's always this wild thing like i sit in classrooms i used to sit in class and people would be like oh the civil rights civil rights movement was so long ago no and i would always say no my my father was a member of the little rock nine my father not my great grandfather not my great great grandfather i mean my daddy at my house right now that i just texted to send me money in college yeah was alongside dr king and Daisy Bates and was breaking barriers and people were hanging his body, hanging, you know, hanging him in effigy outside of his own school. And it's like, so don't pat yourself on the back. Yeah, right. Don't be like, we're so far away from this. No, 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 no. no. I, in my lifetime. What about what about the idea that I think that a lot of people felt that like when Obama got elected, we like saw. Oh, yeah. Racism. We saw. Racism. Oh, yeah. People love to tell themselves that like whenever it's like, oh, my God, look, Darius Rucker <laughs> sings country music. We've moved yeah. past <laughs> racism in the music. I'm like. No, it's like, yeah. no like, just because you have like one, you know, a few things that you can point to, like great, those yeah. are, those are good things. We yep. don't not want them to happen, right. but one. it's like, yeah. but it's like, it's really not like it's it's good. It's yeah. just not like it's pro- amazing. It's progress. Not yeah, it's progress. And yeah. I think like I can equate it to like if you were trying to lose weight and you lost a pound, you wouldn't be like, yeah, son, Done. killed it. Yeah. Done forever. Never coming back here. Somebody get me a donut. Right. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's like you have to be like, oh, wow, what did I do and right? And the work How it did took we get to get yes. that one. Yes. And it's interesting that you point out the someone get me a donut because if you want to use a weight loss analogy, I can analogize anything <laughs> to weight loss. Um, just because you lost the pound doesn't mean that you can't go right. back. Come back. Now yeah. you and have think, no taste for donuts. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think we've seen that with Obama getting elected. And then I think that that's just like oh, yeah. unleashed like all the latent yeah. racism. And it's but it was always wild to me when people were like, we fixed it. And it was just this funny thing. And I think for black and brown people, we sat there like it's that Chris Rock sketch on SNL. The after the election when they were like, well, of course, Kentucky went to Trump. That's where all the racists live. And he's like, oh, word? Yeah. All the racists? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think like as a person oh. of color, I sat there like when people are like, we fixed it. Obama's the president. And I was yeah. like, cool, cool. So the president is a racist from Manhattan. Yeah. Like it was <laughs> exactly. It's like yeah. when people are like, I, I can't possibly yeah. be racist. I am from above right. the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. And right. I'm like, 
No, nah, so and you realize we had to like right. go to Rochester, get on boats, right. and then any get up to Canada. Yeah. yeah, or like when somebody would be like, "We fixed it," and I'm like, "Okay, so uh, your birthday party? How many black right. people were there?" Yeah. and they're like, "I don't see color." I'm like, "Well, guess I what, homegirl? She's yeah, very eloquent." Yeah, I'm like, "Guess what, homegirl? You need to look around <laughs> yeah. your birthday party and be like, oh shit, I need to, I need to reassess my right. my life choices.' <laughs> yeah. I don't know." Or like if I say to somebody like, "Have you ever read t- when they're like, I'm very well read,' like you know the usual Manhattanite who's like, oh, I've I've read every great author," and yeah. I'm like, "Oh wow, you know Toni Morrison yeah. passed. Have you ever read a Toni Morrison?" And they're like, I've never. "In high school," or they're like, yeah. "I've never had the opportunity to pick up one of her right, books." Right. I'm like, "Oh wow, <laughs> really? <laughs> really? You can get bo- you can get books yeah, on like, Amazon." And they're like, "Oh, uh, what has she written?" I'm like, "Oh, what has she? Ri- I'm sorry, I know." everything about your stuff yes, i know yeah, yeah, everything right. about like a jack kerouac book i know i'm supposed to have read leaves of grass i know i'm supposed <laughs> to have read you know charlotte right. bronte till my face falls off but yeah. i asked you about a james right. baldwin book and you're like hmm Who? is he new <laughs> was he on the new york times bestsellers list it's like the same thing with pageants yeah. it's like somebody will be like i've never i've never paid attention to a pageant i'm right. like you should it's yeah. wild right. you should look up there and yeah. see an israeli woman having you know, lunch with a woman from China mm-hmm. who's talking from with a woman from the DR or a girl who's like never met somebody from Myanmar. Right. It's like that's the thing that yeah. I'm like, you're judging me for doing this event. But I have more. I have a friend in every single state in this country that I can ask about her experiences and ask her how we got to this point and ask her, you know, hey, what's going on with your family in Oklahoma? What's happening with you in South Dakota? You know, what's going on with you in North Dakota? What mm-hmm. What's all this, you know, the issues with, yeah. yeah, with Standing Rock doing to your life? Hey, how's everything going in Flint with the people you're working right. with? It's like, so you can stand on your high horse and look down your nose at me all you want, but one of us decided to actually go out and yeah. diversify our experiences of the world and grow our empathy. The other one yeah. is like, I would never dignify walking across the stage right. with a swimsuit. I saw this congeniality. Yeah, it's like, all right, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. No problem. Yeah. This is great. Thank you so much. Yeah. We, I, I want you to come back. We can talk about some other pageant shit. But oh, also, yeah. like, I think there's even more interesting things we could talk about. Like, oh. your father's experience is super yeah. interesting. Oh, you know, and you know I feel I like it's... Mackenzie's black minutes for no reason <laughs> around here. You know, I just love scaring everyone. You want to sell that segment? Yeah, you know, basically. I'll just <laughs> yeah. do that for you. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah, instead of scaring all the coworkers, I'll just do it on a microphone. <sighs> All right. Well, this has been an incredible episode. I'm so happy we got to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time to walk from your desk to here. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. All right. Until then, democracy. I'm Sammy Fishbein. I'm Amanda Duberman. And this has been the Betcha Up Podcast. Betches.